Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Christian Education Sunday. If you're sitting there going, what is Christian Education? Is that an industry? Is that something that these guys are doing? They're trying to sign people up for their school and what they turn Sunday morning into this big commercial. Well, you've missed the point if you think Christian education is an industry. Christian education is not an industry. It's a mandate. It is a a charge from the Lord to each and every one of us. We have to be personally responsible to make sure that we are maturing in Christ. Look at someone next to you and say, that's your job. That is your responsibility. That is my responsibility in Christ to be educated, to be educated, to be raised up, to be trained in the things of God, to be instant in season and out of season, to to make sure that I understand God's word in a way that I can not only understand it myself, but explain it to others. It's really important that we get that concept as Christians. If you ever are drawn toward a place or a church that tries to tell you, oh, just listen to what I say, never go check it out, never study, never grow, just listen to me, that's a church that's trying to control you, they're trying to brainwash you. In fact, what we should do as believers is we should hear things in church that cause us to go open our Bible. Is there anyone here this morning that causes us to go open our Bibles at home and to develop a work ethic where we're willing to educate ourselves? It's so important today. I cannot emphasize how how much a part of our mission it is to make sure that on every level we're providing opportunities for people to educate themselves and to grow in the things of the Lord. So today I want you to look real quick with me at Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. And this passage of scripture is probably, I think one of the, probably one of the best scriptures I can think of about choosing to live your life for God or choosing to live and build your life on something other than God. It, it just, it's, it's beautiful. So if you just uh, read this along with me uh, as I read, it's Matthew 7, 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation, where? On the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I'm gonna talk to you for just a few minutes about how to develop a Christian worldview, why we need a Christian worldview. Father, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for this awesome time, Lord, of getting to celebrate all the tremendous things that take place here. Lord, over 475 students that we disciple and raise up every single day at City of Life Christian Academy. Lord, I thank you for this year at Blink Performing Arts, nearly a hundred kids and a hundred young people that are being raised up over there next door. I thank you, Lord, for our, our students at City of Life School of Ministry, everything we're doing to change the, the culture for your kingdom. I pray that we can celebrate that together and it excites us to want to go to the next level in our personal lives. Help me communicate this in a way that honors you today and let everyone find hope in the person that is Jesus. Jesus, as we get into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So two different ideas here. You have one person that chooses to build their life. Look at someone next to you and say, you're building your life on something. 
Okay, look back at him again and say, by the way, really glad I got to sit next to you today because you look great. Very important to build someone up today. Hey, I didn't really give a shout out yet to City of Life South Orlando. Let's have a huge hand for City of Life South Orlando, Cypress Creek High School. What's that? Two different kinds of people. One kind of person in this story builds their life on a rock. They build their house on a rock. They build their life on something that is solid. One person builds their life on something that is not solid. They build their life on sand, something that shifts. Now, here's the interesting thing about the story that sometimes we will miss because we're looking at the result of what happened. But what we don't realize is it says in verse 25 that for the first guy that built his life on the rock, which means building our life on the foundation of God, listening to the words that Jesus says, listening to the Bible, applying it to our life. Listen what happened to this guy. He built it on the right thing. It says, but the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Okay, now what was the result? This is the part we get caught up on a lot. It didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Okay, but let's look at the other guy that built his life on garbage, built his life on money, built his life on sex, on relationships, on the pursuit of ambition, all these different things, all these things that mean nothing in the long term. He built his life on the wrong things, but what happened to him? Maybe the result is different for him. No, it says the rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, but he had a different result. It said it fell with a great crash. Here's where we miss the boat sometimes. Sometimes we think if we live for God, then we're exempt from the trials of life. Isn't it interesting? In both stories, they went through the same thing. Look at somebody sitting next to you, and I'm not trying to be mean, but just look at them and say, I'm sorry to tell you this. But you're going to go through some things in life. Tell them you're going to go through some things in life. Oh, don't look at them and say, I, I reject that in Jesus' name. Well, there's, there's just no way around it. There ain't no way around it. Life is problematic. The, the wonderful thing about building your life on the rock is that we get to fight from victory every single day. We have already been given victory in Jesus' name. We get the ability to know that we win in the end. So we fight from a place of victory. When we're in the middle of heartache, when we're in the middle of trials, we have someone that we can run to. We have someone that we can go to, someone that will stand for us, someone that we know is going to be solid in the middle of the storm. Man, when your life is falling apart over here, you've built everything on something that you know is about to fall apart. Anybody ever been in Florida during a hurricane? Anybody ever gone out and sat in your shed and just to see what would happen? No. Absolutely not. I wonder what will happen. No one does that. You're in the strongest room in your house. You're in the closet or the bathroom, and you got Doritos in there for the last you for three weeks, Oreos. You know what I'm saying? You're in the strong. Nobody wants to test what it's like to, to go through a storm in a shed. And in the same way, when you've built your life, ooh, that got me. Man, when you've built your life on something that doesn't work and you feel it falling apart, you have no hope. Don't wait until you are in a situation where the forecast is dark and cloudy and something is coming your way and you realize this thing ain't going to last. Build your life today on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Build your life today on the foundation, which is the word of God. So I want to ask you a question. And, and, and maybe I want to challenge you a little bit and shake you up a little bit. But I want to ask you this. What is your worldview? This is a very important question for you to answer for yourself, not out loud, but to answer inside of your heart. What is your worldview? Do you have a biblical worldview? 
The reason I ask this question is we all have some kind of worldview, the way that we see life, the way that we see issues, the way we see people. We've developed some set of doctrines that we've, you know, adapted in our life and integrated into our, our philosophies and our conversations, the way we treat people, the things we watch, the thing we look at. We have a dominant worldview. Uh, something, something in our life that we've held on to and adapted for ourselves. But where does it come from? What is it based on? Is it really based on the Bible? Or is it really based on the Christian faith? Or is it possible that maybe we have cherry-picked some things that we like from the Christian faith, the things that are appealing to us, and we have integrated those things into another worldview that we may have had, and then we've kind of mixed them all together and developed this hybrid thing that doesn't really look anything like Jesus. I, I wonder if that's maybe tempting to all of us at times. George Barna from the Barna Research Group does a lot of statistics on church, and he will do uh, these big, huge projects where he... he talks to thousands and thousands of Christians all over the world. To decide whether or not people have a biblical worldview, he asked over 5,000 people this question. And I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to answer it, but not out loud. Someone may slap you if they don't like your answer. Uh, just answer it in your heart. Uh, and here's the questions he used to decide whether you have a Christian worldview or not. Do absolute moral truths exist? Is absolute truth defined explicitly in the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Is salvation... Someone keeps saying yes back there. Stop, please. Is salvation... Again Everyone's supposed... Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're doing, but like we're all supposed to be answering this in our head. Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Okay, so when I was going through that list, maybe you were listening going, yep, yep, yep. Oh, hold on. I'm not sure about that. I don't know about that. Well, these are really basic foundational questions that are supposed to let you know, just in case you're wondering, only 9% of the people that attend church on a regular basis answered yes to all those questions. Actually have what would be considered a Christian worldview. Why are you asking me this, Pastor Jeff? Why do you care whether I have a Christian? Because I am a pastor. I am a shepherd. It is my responsibility to lead a church, not that feels warm and fuzzy when you leave here every week, but knows that the Bible is your ultimate source, your ultimate answer for every question through your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have the resources at your fingertips. You should know when we're having conversations about the Lord, you should know the Bible. You shouldn't have to ask me all the questions. Yes, I love talking about the Bible, but raise your hand if you are a Christian who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Raise your hand if you're a Christian who has been redeemed by the blood. Well, you have a responsibility to Christian education for your own life. Look at someone next to you and say, I'm going to say some words to you that you're not going to like. Look at them and say, personal responsibility. Come on, look at them and say, self-government. I, I preached about it not, not long ago. Most powerful kind of government in the world. It's not whether it's a democracy, a republic. Uh, it's not whether it's a dictatorship. Uh, none of those things. The most important kind of government in the world is self-government. And through the person of the Holy Spirit, 
When we are saved, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. He is our counselor. We have to learn how to develop personal responsibility that we are developed in the things of God. We have a responsibility. Paul tells us, stop eating baby food. It's time for you to grow up. Can I get an amen from someone? It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to get to a place where we understand biblical truth. That's what Christian education is all about. And we're dealing with a culture that, for the most part, we're in a post-Christian culture, a post-modern culture. What does that mean? It means in every other era in America, in every other era, uh, era of the United States, we have been raised with a predominantly Christian worldview culturally. The, 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 the ethics, the morals, the values came from predominantly Christian principles. No longer. We are in a state now that we have never been in before where many, a great number of people claim that they do not believe in God whatsoever. Romans chapter 1 describes these people in detail, verses 18 through 25, and it says this. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Somebody say wrath. Did anybody have a, a, a mom that could give you that look when you were a kid, that look that just scared the fire? Or, or, you know, or a grandma. How about a grandma? A, a grandma or a mom that scared the fire out of you? My mom is the sweetest, most one. And I heard my, some of my best friends are Puerto Rican. They tell me stories that their, their moms used to throw sandals at them. What, what do they call them? Chocletas? Or what, what's that? What's that called? Chocle, chancleta? You know what I'm saying? You, you, you get that look from mom and she throw that, throw that thing at you. Well, my mom is the sweet. I mean, my mom is literally precious. She, she, she wakes up every day in a great mood. But I mean, when I was growing up, I used to get in trouble. And this is before mom became a psychologist, okay? My, my mom, got, I used to get spankings when I was little, before she became. You know, now, my little brother, Tyler, you know, when, when she raised Tyler, she had gone to, to, to school and got a degree. And I used to get, anyone know what a switch is? You, you know what a switch is? Raise your hand if you know what a switch. I ain't talking about, you know, the, the Nintendo switch. I'm talking about the switch that they this is an old school method right here ah it's like a stick it's like an instrument of torture you know what i'm talking about so the, the switch they was raised with a the switch they got me with a switch and then you know i remember my you know, i used to get this in trouble i was spanking when something bad would happen then my brother tyler when i was growing up he would break a vase you know he's a little kid he'd break a vase and i'm feeling like yeah here it goes and, and she was she had just been to school so i'm looking i'm like here it comes and she'd go time out and i'd be like He broke the vase. Beat him. I mean, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. But when I was little and I would do that, I remember the one time, the only time I ever saw wrath on my mom's face. My mom, I'm, I'm telling you, she's like an angel from heaven. But I watched an ABC after special, after school special. Is anyone old enough to remember the ABC after school specials? These are like these like sort of semi-teen uh, you know, they would deal with issues and stuff. And then your kid, you'd watch. I was only nine or ten years old. And I watched this, and it's this one about this kid that um, he, he had a parent that would, was like, would beat him up and stuff. It was terrible. It's a very serious show. 
But I remember one time the kid was at the table and the dad was reaching for something on the table. But the kid was so like mentally hurt over all the things the dad did that the kid, when the dad was reaching, the kid went, no, and put his hands up like that thought that thinking the dad was going to. And the dad just started crying. And he said, I will never I will never spank you again. So I got this idea. So, so my, I mean, my mom like probably whipped me like three times in my entire life. But I remember I got this one idea, and I didn't do something my mom said. She goes, Jeffrey, I told you, 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 you got to make up your bed. You got to do it. And I said, no. And she goes, I'm sorry. What, what was that? You know, you, you know that kind of thing? I'm sorry. What was that? And I said, yeah, I, I'm not going to do it. And she came, and she goes, okay, well, I'm going to have to spank you. And I went, no! Like, and I put... That's when the wrath of God came over her face. She said, boy, you bend over that bed. She said, I don't beat you, but I will. If you, you know, it's just like one of them things like that. That's the only time I ever saw wrath on my mother's face. But let me tell you something. The wrath of God, you don't want to mess with the wrath of God. Okay, my mother's wrath, nothing. Your mother's wrath, nothing compared to the wrath of God. It says the wrath of God. The anger, the justice of God is being revealed from heaven against godless and wicked people. Here is a very important word who suppress the truth. Suppress the truth. Did anybody ever have a real messy car growing up? I used to have this trunk that I would stuff all my junk in the trunk. I just said junk in the trunk in church and it was okay. It was actually appropriate. I I didn't mean, I, I literally meant actual junk. Okay, whatever. Sorry. That was not planned, I promise. So I used to stuff everything in the trunk of my car, boom, and try to shut it, but it wouldn't shut because there was too much stuff in there. I was trying to suppress, and sometimes the trunk would just go, boop, and it would pop back up because there's too much stuff in there. Suppressing the truth is the same way. What it means is that there are people out there who claim that God does not exist. They're lying to themselves. It says they're literally trying to push down the truth and they're sitting on the trunk. They're doing everything they can to keep the truth down because they know. And here's what it says. It says, says, since what may be known about God is plain to them. How? It says, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible qualities... His, his eternal power and his divine nature. It, that, even, that means what's on the inside of us. We innately know, not just good from evil, but we know which one we should choose. It's saying that our conscience tells us. Then it says his eternal powers and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what that has been made so that people are without excuse. So it means this whole idea that is permeating society of just kind of creating, where do you think everything, oh, I don't, I think it's an accident. I think, you know, this big primordial soup, one blob crawled out and kind of separated into two blobs and two became four and then one became a fish and then the fish just one day got wings and then they became a dinosaur and then it became an ape and I became, just these, these philosophies and I, you know, I'm not trying to minimize, you know, extremely intellectual people that have developed their own ideas about the world, but I am saying they're wrong. I am saying that the Bible tells us there's some smart people out there that have convinced themselves of what this is saying, that God is not real. And the sad part is it says they didn't glorify God. 
They didn't give thanks to him. And, and what it caused is it caused their thinking to become futile and their foolish hearts became darkened. You actually reach a point when you don't build your life on the rock, when you don't build your Christian education on a biblical Christian worldview, where your heart becomes darkened, your mind becomes darkened. You can no longer have the opportunity to praise God because you shut out that that's even there in your life. And verse 24 says, God gave them over to their sinful desires, the desires of their hearts for sexual impurity and the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of, about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Man, I, I, I don't want anyone to miss the opportunity to know how beautiful life is when you build your life on the rock. Jesus in, in John chapter one is called the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is what the word of God can do. It is powerful enough to make an incision between our soul and our spirit. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't know about you, but I want to be thoroughly equipped. If I get in the battlefield, I want to have the right weapons in my hand to be able to effectively do warfare with the enemy. God's word is extraordinary, South Orlando. God's word is incredible. How about people that say stuff like, oh, well, how do I know that man hasn't compromised the integrity? of what God wanted him to say. I mean, I understand. I understand that that is a question that some people do have. But can I just use a basic form of logic? If we have a God that really did create the universe and really did want to communicate his values through a written word, and he really did want to inspire human beings to write it, isn't he sovereign enough to preserve it in a way that pleases himself? Isn't he sovereign enough to create something that is reliable to communicate the message? Through his sovereignty, he can keep it in a way that he is pleased with. So I would just say, rather than coming up with all these things to, to tear it apart, how about we celebrate today the beauty of God's word? 66 books. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, written by 40 different authors. No book is like this in the world. It was written by fishermen. It was written by uh, kings. It was written by poets. It was written by dudes that wore loincloths only. I mean, like a very diverse fashion section of the world that wrote this book. This book is a miracle. Shepherds, tradesmen, soldiers, physicians, preachers, and the manuscripts that we have. When you look at old, reliable texts that scholars have been able to find, no book even comes close. In the other services, I flip this around. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna do it backwards here. Let me give you an example. One of the most reliable texts that's out there is Caesar's Gallic Wars. It was written 58 years before Christ was born. There are 10 manuscripts available, 10 total, but yet no one questions its authenticity, okay, 10. And let me give you some stats about the Bible, okay? 
We have 266 unxial texts that are all written in uppercase letters, a certain style. We have 2,754 minuscule texts, which are tiny little pieces of writing. We have 2,135 lectionary portions, which are service portions of churches that they found that are back to the days right after Jesus was resurrected. We have 81 papyri, which is the earliest witnesses to the original text. We have 5,236 different pieces of texts and manuscripts that we can verify that the Bible is real from. The next best, 10. Come on, how about the Word of God? Is the Word of God amazing or what? We, we can trust God's Word that it is real. It is powerful, it is true, it is the rock. What Jesus was referring to in that story is building our life on the Bible. I meet people all the time that I know come to church and they worship God, but they'll tell me things that they're doing in their life. And I'm just like, whoa, you don't even have a concept of, of a biblical worldview. I, I mean, look, the most important thing for us is knowing Jesus, but we can't stop there. We have to continue. It's really important that, that we develop ourselves in Christian education to be able to share hope with people, to give an answer for who Jesus is, who he, he's supposed to be to other people. And if you're here today and you don't know the Bible very well, you haven't educated your very, yourself very well, you haven't committed much time to discipling yourself in the things of God, let me tell you where to start. Always start with grace. Always start with the fact that God loved you when you were nothing and God loves other people when they are nothing, when they have nothing to bring him. Let me tell you what we don't need to do. We don't need to start with the, the hard, cold truth of the Bible and tell people what they can't do before they understand the power of God's grace. We always need to make sure that rather than dehumanize people with the rules, how about we rehumanize them with God's grace and God's love first? Let's rehumanize them with the grace of God. And then we can move on to the truth. So I just encourage you today. I hope you have gotten as excited as me as I'm watching all these things unfold. I'm just sitting there with my family going, man, I can't believe we do this. Oh my gosh, we do that too. Holy cow, we do this. And I'm just so excited to have a church and a place where our mission is to raise people up and to empower people to live the life that God has called them to live. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.